Hello and welcome. I'm Eric. And I'm John. And this is the Wikipedia Chronicles. explore it and then follow the links and see where it takes us so john what's your random article for today i um just want to say i didn't try to get this this is what i got il dio serpente the snake god is a 1970 (laughs) italian erotic fantasy film directed by piero vivarelli and featuring Italian-based American actress Nadia Cassini in her first lead role. The film is an earlier example of voodoo and later zombie-themed sexploitation films shot in the Dominican Republic by Italian directors. The theme song of the film, Jambala, by Augusto Martelli, reached the first position in the Italian hit parade. Wow. So... That's mine. Okay. Uh, you think you can top uh, 1970 Italian erotic fantasy film? Well, I'll certainly try. Okay. My article is Construcciones e Auxiliar de Ferrocarriles. You weren't kidding. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and that thing I just said, shortened to CAF is a Spanish private company which manufactures railway vehicles and equipment. Uh Uh-oh. Based in Bissane in the Basque country. Hmm. Well. Well. It's a hard choice, Eric. It's a very hard choice. I mean... Railway film, railway cars. Whoa. Mm-hmm. I feel. I feel like we've we've done, we've allowed ourselves. I've allowed myself to give in to my weakness for trains <laughs> too many times. Yeah. Already. But once one more time. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm actually pretty yeah. conflicted. You. You. What do you think? What do you think? Um. Well, let's. Uh see what this snake god has to offer. Alright. <laughs> well, here's this is definitely territory that we have yet to cover. Yeah, yeah, a little risque. Um I'm sure I'm sure we can err to the side of <laughs> less risque path. Yeah, eventually. Pr- yeah, I'm probably. Sure, I'm sure there's some way. Yeah, maybe. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> um, okay, well, uh, the plot of the movie. Well, what was that again? Was, uh, uh, Il Dio Serpent E. There we go. Yep. <laughs> oh, that cover art. Just soak it in. Um, 1970. Mm hmm. Wow. 
Okay, so, uh, Paola is in a deteriorating marriage with Bernard. After the couple move to an island in the Caribbean, Paola befriends a local woman named Stella, who introduces her to the cult of the serpent god, Jambala. Paola, first despising the rituals of the cult, soon realizes that they represent the passion and lust lacking in her married life. At a ritual where reality is interspersed with fantasy, Paola has sex with a strong black man. She identifies with the serpent god himself. <laughs> After her husband's sudden death, she invites her former lover, Tony, to the island to start a new life, but understands that Jambala has become her sole obsession. Wow. Uh, which is... All right. That's certainly a movie. Yep. That doesn't even sound like a plot, <laughs> but okay. But vaguely ironic, I suppose they mean has about as much uh, plot to it as a normal porno <laughs> <laughs> at that rate. That's, um, I really don't understand. Whatever. Okay. Well, it looks like we can jump over to Cinema of Italy. Yes. And get to, like, more, you know, good movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, or we could go to Zombie. There is a link to Zombie. Mm, link to Zombie. There is a link to Zombie. That could be interesting. That could be interesting Zombie. We can get behind Zombie hmm. a little bit. I think I we could think do we've zombie. actually to- talked about Zombies. I don't think we have. Yeah, so mm-hmm. like see what yeah. the history of zombies yeah, is all about. Zombie. Oh, so there we it go. has roots in Haitian French mm. or Haitian Creole. Of zombie or zombie. Mm. So, in essence, it is a fictional undead being created through the reanimation of a human corpse. And they're most commonly, of course, found in horror and fantasy genre works, but the term itself comes from Haitian folklore, where a zombie is a dead body reanimated through various methods, most commonly magic. Modern depictions of zombies do not necessarily involve magic, but invoke other methods, such as viruses. Yeah. Or no explanation at all. <laughs> Doesn't have to be an explanation. Doesn't have to be an explanation every time. Yep. Oh, and the English word zombie was first recorded in 1819. Wow, that early. In the his- in a history of Brazil by poet Robert Southey in the form of zombie without the E. And the Oxford English Dictionary gives the origin of the word as West African and compares it to the Congo words zombie, which means God, or zombie, which is fetish. Hmm. That's kind of weird that the it starts out being Haitian in origin mm-hmm. and ends up showing up in English in history about Brazil in 1819 <laughs> when Brazil was around for literally so little time. Yeah. <laughs> there was about 50 years of history to cover, maybe. But I don't know. Hmm. What? Uh, maybe there's more going on there. Yeah. 
Maybe zombies were much more commonly mentioned in the Caribbean and the uh, Central and South and South American regions yeah, than they were here until uh, far, far later. But um, zombies seem to have a pretty complex literary heritage. Yeah. I mean, their antecedents ranging from uh, Richard Matheson, H.P. Lovecraft, to Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, drawing on European folklore of the undead. Uh, in 1932, a guy by the name of Victor Halperin directed White Zombie, which is a horror film starring Bela Lugosi. And in that film, zombies are depicted as mindless, unthinking henchmen under the spell of an evil magician. <laughs> so zombies are uh, often still using pretty voodoo-inspired rationale. Um, they're initially uncommon in cinema, but their appearances continued sporadically throughout the 1930s, and all the way up to the 1960s with notable films including <laughs> I Walked with a Zombie and Plan 9 from Outer Space. Nice. I'm glad that's a link that we can get to. I am so happy to see that name. Um, a new version of the zombie, distinct from that described in the Haitian religion, has also emerged in popular culture in recent decades, and that zombie is largely taken from George Romero's seminal film Night of the Living Dead, which was in turn partly inspired by Richard Matheson's novel hmm. I Am Legend. I didn't know that was specifically, like, inspired. Didn't really get that vibe. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, I mean, I, I stand corrected. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, the word zombie actually is not used in Night of the Living Dead. Yeah, I didn't think so. It was only applied later by fans. Mm. And the monsters in the film and its sequels, such as Dawn of the Dead and Day of the Dead, as well as its many inspired works, such as Return of the Living Dead and Zombie 2, are usually hungry for human flesh, although Return of the Living Dead introduced the popular concept of zombies eating brains. So that's the one that introduced that part of it. And the zombie apocalypse concept, in which the civilized world is brought low by a global zombie infestation, became a staple of modern popular art. So I think some of the folk beliefs that kind of started this whole thing in Haiti were pretty interesting. Hmm. Um, basically, people thought that zombies were minions controlled by way of necromancy. Uh, a sorcerer or a witch usually pulling the strings on the other end. Uh, the Bokor was what they called it, and that's opposed by the Houngan or priest, and the Mambo or priestess of the formal Voodoo, voodoo sorry, religion. A zombie remains under the control of the Bokor as a personal slave, having no will of its own, according to legend. Uh, the Haitian tradition also includes an incorporeal type of zombie, the zombie astral, which is part of the, which is a part of the human soul. Uh, and a bokor can capture an, a, a zombie astral to enhance his spiritual power. The zombie belief has its roots in traditions brought to Haiti by enslaved Africans and their subsequent experiences in the New World. It was thought that the voodoo deity, Baron Samdi, 
would gather them for um, their grave to bring them to a heavenly afterlife in Africa unless they had offended him in some way, in which case they would be forever a slave after their death as a zombie. A zombie could also be saved by feeding them salt. (laughs) A number of scholars have pointed out the significance of the zombie figure as a metaphor for the history of slavery in Haiti. So zombieism wasn't really necessarily like a weird like creature. It was literally like the re- it was their version of hell. Yeah. Like hell was already their existence <laughs> and if they had done something to displease God, they would continue living that yeah. way, which is really sad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and most scholars have associated uh, the Haitian zombie with African cultures. Uh, but a most, but a connection could also be made to the island's indigenous Taino people, partly based on an early account of the native shamanist practices written by the Hieronymite monk Ramon Panay, a companion of Christopher Columbus. Oh, and the Haitian zombie phenomenon first attracted widespread international attention during the United States occupation of Haiti from 1915 to 1935. And when a number of case histories of purported zombies began to emerge. That's weird. Hmm. And the first popular book covering the topic was William Seabrook. Uh, his book, The Magic Island. And Seabrook cited Article 246 of the Haitian Criminal Code, which was passed in 1864, asserting that it was an official recognition of zombies. Huh. That's kind of weird. And then this passage was later used in promotional materials for the 1932 film White Zombie that we mentioned earlier. And the quote is, Also shall be qualified also shall be qualified as attempted murder the employment which may be made by any person of substances which without causing actual death produce a lethargic coma more or less prolonged if after the administering of such substances the person has been buried the act shall be considered murder no matter what result follows wow they try people who turn people into zombies as murderers there (laughs) That's pretty intense. Hmm. In 1937, while researching folklore in Haiti, Zora Neale Hurston encountered the case of a woman who appeared in a village. A family claimed she was Felicia Felix Mentor, a relative who had died and been buried in 1907 at the age of 29. The woman was examined by a doctor, and x-rays indicated that she did not have a leg fracture that Felix Mentor was known to have had. Hurston pursued rumors that affected persons were given a powerful psychoactive drug, but she was unable to locate individuals willing to offer such information. She wrote, What is more, if science ever gets to the bottom of voodoo in Haiti and Africa, it will be found that some important medical secrets still unknown to medical science give it its power rather than gestures of ceremony. 
So she didn't really find any concrete evidence about there being real zombies being made or anything like that. But she almost did. Or she at least least saw enough to make her feel like, oh, maybe this is a thing. I mean, still, why would some person wander into a village being like, oh, like, zombie like, like, just for kicks? I don't really know how all that would go. Okay, so the evolution of the zombie archetype. The, uh, let's see. Apparently, the zombie lineage is traced back to Epic of Gilgamesh. Although, doesn't actually really go into that at all. Nope, just, just puts a citation there for you. Yep. If you want to investigate it, you can. <laughs> but then it jumps over to Frankenstein by Mary Shelley. And while it's not necessarily a zombie novel, uh, it prefigures many 20th century ideas about zombies, in such as the resurrection of the dead and portraying it as a scientific process rather than a mystical one. And then the resurrected dead is degraded and more violent than their living selves. And it was first published in 1818. That one has its roots in European folklore. And uh, those tales take uh, tales of vengeful dead also informed the evolution of modern concept of vampire. Hmm. So, the European folklore kind of branched off into both of those. Then got into Edgar Allan Poe, and then Lovecraft... Uh, 1950s comic serial by the name of Tales from the Crypt would be published by by EC Comics. And those would later go on to influence George A. Romero when he made his film Night of the Living Dead. Hmm. I didn't realize, are those the same Tales from the Crypt as the TV show? Hmm. Quite possibly. Sounds... I mean, I can't imagine why it would be any different because it sounds similar. I mean, it's in the same ballpark. Unless the name is just a homage or something. Uh, it's definitely definitely based on that. It's just a Crypt Keeper mm. like uh, character in those. And various adaptations thereof. So yeah, I think it's pretty much the same thing. Yep. Media adaptations. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the uh, Richard Matheson's I Am Legend, he would classify more as a vampire story, but it had the impact uh, on the zombie genre via George A. Romero. Okay, well, after that brief interlude into how the archetypes changed and shifted about culturally, we're going to go back to the per- to potential for substantiation of zombies in real life. <laughs> Several decades after uh, Hurston's work that you were talking about earlier, uh, Wade Davis, a Harvard ethnobotanist, presented a pharmacological, pharmacological case for zombies in a 1983 paper in the Journal of Ethnopharmacology. 
and later in two popular books, The Serpent and the Rainbow in 1985 and Passage of Darkness, the Ethnobiology of the Haitian Zombie. Davis traveled to Haiti in 1982 and, as a result of his investigations, claimed that a living person can be put, can be turned into a zombie by two special powders being introduced into the bloodstream, usually via a wound. Kind of similar to, like, um, 28 Days Later style zombie. Yeah, those are actually perhaps the most accurate Yeah, I guess so. Um... The first coup de powder, or French for powder strike, <laughs> includes powder tetra- strike. Powder strike. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it includes tetrodotoxin, or TTX, a powerful and frequently fatal neurotoxin found in the flesh of the pufferfish. Hmm. And the second powder consists of deliriant drugs such as datura. Together, these powders were said to induce a death-like state in which the will of the victim would be entirely subjected to that of the Bokor. Davis also popularized the theory of Clarivis Narcissi, who was claimed to have succumbed to this practice. The most ethically questioned and least scientifically explored ingredient of the powders is part of a recently buried child's brain. Hmm. So, th- this is less of a dead people coming back to life thing and more of a drugging somebody up to the point of them not, like, resisting your suggestions. Right. Basically, they become sort of in a state of hypnosis, I suppose, yeah. is how it would be. But it's not through any sort of it's no longer done it's not done by like willpower and like yeah. believing in hypnosis it's done by way of literal literal drug so that's kind of kind of a bad thing davis traveled to haiti or rather uh the process described by davis was an initial state of death-like suspended animation followed by reawakening typically after being buried into a psychotic state. The psychosis induced by the drug and the psychological trauma was hypothesized by Davis to enforce, to reinforce culturally learned beliefs and to cause the individual to reconstruct their identity as that of a zombie since they <laughs> knew, quote-unquote, that they were dead and had no other role to play in the Haitian society. Wow. Societal reinforcement of the belief was hypothesized by Davis to confirm for the zombie individual the zombie state, and such individuals were known to hang around in graveyards exhibiting attitudes of low effect. Mm. Now, 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 Davis's claim has been criticized, particularly the suggestion that Haitian witch doctors can keep quote-unquote zombies in a state of pharmacologically induced trance for many, many years. Symptoms of TTX poisoning range from numbness and nausea to paralysis, particularly of the muscles of the diaphragm, unconsciousness, and also death. But they do not include a stiffened gait or a death-like trance. Hmm. According to psychologist Terence Hines, the scientific community dismisses tetrodotoxin as the cause of the state, and Davis's assessment of the nature of the reports of Haitian zombies is viewed as overly credulous. Hmm. Yeah, and then a Scottish psychiatrist, R.D. Lane, 
highlighted the link between social and cultural expectations and compulsion in the context of schizophrenia and other mental illness, suggesting that schizogenesis may account for some of the psychological aspects of zombification. Particularly, this suggests cases where schizophrenia manifests a state of catatonia. And Roland Littlewood, professor of anthropology and psychiatry, published a study supporting a social explanation of a zombie phenomenon in the medical journal The Lancet in 1997. And the social explanation sees observed cases of people identified as zombies as a culture-bound syndrome with a particular culture form of adoption practiced in Haiti that unites the homeless and mentally ill with grieving families who see them as their returned lost loved ones. As Littlewood summarizes his findings in an article in Times Higher Education, I came to the conclusion that although it is unlikely that there is a single explanation for all cases where zombies are recognized by locals in Haiti, the mistaken identification of a wandering mentally ill stranger by bereaved relatives is the most likely explanation in many cases. People with a chronic schizophrenic illness, brain damage, or learning disability are not uncommon in rural Haiti, and they would be particularly likely to be identified as zombies. So, <laughs> yep. that would do it. <laughs> and since this article likes to jump back and forth between <laughs> the history of the uh, in the real world and fiction, back to fiction, sort of, and for a bit. Uh, basically, it's talking about. Uh, the various cultural staples in modern media, which I think we've hit the majority of. I mean, mm. it briefly touches upon, instead of just George A. Romero stuff, also the Evil Dead series, mm. um, the 1985 film The Reanimator, which is loosely based off of uh, the Lovecraft story about the same name. Uh, the, and of course, the uh, Diary of the Dead, Survival of the Dead, the 28 Days, Weeks, Months Later. Uh, <laughs> Shaun of the Dead, Resident Evil, House of the Dead, and so forth. Um, not to mention, of course, the adaptation of the popular comic series The Walking Dead on AMC. Usually, these story elements uh, have two main premises. Number one, initially, contact with zombies is extremely dangerous and traumatic, causing shock, pain, disbelief, and possibly denial hampering survivors' abilities to deal with hostile encounters. And secondly, the response of authorities to the threat is slower than its rate of growth, giving the zombie plague time to expand beyond containment. This results in the collapse of any given society, zombies take full control, while small groups of the living must fight for their survival. The stories usually follow a single group of survivors, yup, caught up <laughs> in the sudden rush of the crisis, the narrative generally progresses from the onset of the zombie plague, then initially initial attempts to seek the aid of authorities, the failure of said authorities, though to the sudden catastrophic collapse of all large-scale organization and the characters' subsequent attempts to survive on their own. Such stories are often squarely focused on the way their characters react to such an extreme catastrophe 
and how their personalities are changed by the stress, often acting more primal on more primal motivations from fear to self-preservation than they would display in normal life. And that I kind of want to memorize so I can <laughs> sing-songedly say it every time somebody t- like tries to tell me how good some zombie thing is because it will almost definitely fi- file itself yeah. very neatly into that little beautiful Hit paragraph right there. Points. Yep. 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 Hit all of them, pretty much, which is pretty good. Pretty good. Mm-hmm. So, how's how's that how's that listener? You, you feel like you know enough about zombies now? You've literally heard every zombie story. I gave it to you in two bullet points in a paragraph. <laughs> You've heard every last one. All you have to do now is appreciate how pretty the lead actors look and how gory the zombies look. <laughs> like that's 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 what you have left. That's the remainder of your media. <laughs> Enjoy. I spoiled the rest for you. Ooh, here we go. Okay, so I'm gonna skip the anime and manga because I haven't seen any of that. Also skipping the art section, going right to the comics. Straight to the Marvel comic series, Marvel Zombies, in which all of the superheroes in the Marvel Universe are transformed into zombies due to a virus. And it is awesome. Oh, no doubt. I'm not saying it's bad. But, I mean, you know, there is, I'm just saying there's, you know, there's, just, there's a structure to these things. That's all. That's all. Okay. Now. Back to real life again. Here we go. There's a couple of areas where uh, zombieism is popular. IRL uh, and social activism. There is a uh, metaphor in protest songs uh, symbolizing mindless adherence to authority, particularly in law enforcement and the armed forces. And well-known examples include Fela Kuti's 1976 album Zombie and the Cranberries' 1994 single Zombie. Organized zombie walks have been staged either as performance art or as part of protests that parody political extremism or apathy. <laughs> There's a picture there on the right of a world zombie walk, apparently the world record-holding one in <laughs> Pittsburgh. Mm. don't know how accurate that is now. I feel like that's probably pretty accurate a pretty easy thing to do but impressive nonetheless good job 2006 pittsburgh sponsored by pittsburgh east nissan uh and again with the real life thing there's also a startling presence despite having no academic foundings uh of zombieism in theoretical academic papers because researchers have used theoretical zombie infections to test uh epidemiology modeling. One study found that all humans end up turned on or dead. Okay. <laughs> uh, this is because the main epidemiological risk of zombies, besides the difficulties of neutralizing them, is that their population just keeps increasing. Generations of humans merely surviving still have a tendency to feed zombie populations, resulting in gross outnumbering. The researchers explain that their methods of modeling may be applicable to the spread of political views or diseases with dormant infection. Mm. A follow-up to the above paper explored the possibility that a zombie apocalypse may already have occurred at other locations in the (laughs) universe. 
The study by Kane and Celsus showed that even a conservative estimate of outbreaks of zombie infections referred to as spontaneous necroanimation psychosis or SNAP <laughs> would mean that there are at least 2,500 planets within 100 parsecs of Earth. They thus conclude that this helps to explain the Fermi paradox due to the disp- devastating effect of encountering such planets during the planetary exploration phase of an advanced civilization, which is to say that Halo was right the entire time. Space space flood thing that's out there is going to come get us. It's going to eat everything. It's going to make everything zombie. linked to income tax. Wow. What a great way to bring ourselves down <laughs> after a, a relatively interesting article. There we go. Though we should probably start looking for our next location. Yeah. And there are a plethora of links to choose mm-hmm. from. A lot of good ones. I'm still interested in that Plan 9 from Outer Space link. But wait, there's more. <laughs> we have things... We have a link to the thriller parentheses viral video <laughs> in this article. We have a link to Warhammer 40k. We have a link to role-playing games at large. Uh, uh, we have... Let's see what else we have. We have we have links to Magic the Gathering and Yu-Gi-Oh. <laughs> we got a link to Centers for Disease Control Prevention uh, f- fictional scenario <laughs> of, of a zombie, zombie thing. The Weather Channel. There is. There is a link to the Weather Channel. Dungeons and Dragons? The Fermi Paradox, the thing that tries to explain away... Why we don't have any aliens coming to visit us yet? <laughs> we go to live action in regards to film, I guess. There's even a link to the pufferfish. <laughs> Ooh, invasion of the We even have links to nonsense words. <laughs> Here we go. We could go to Nkissi. We could go to Zambiampungu. We can go to Sotho. We can go to Sanga. We can go to Venda. We can go to Sangoma. We can go to Jumbi. Wanna go to Jumbi? We can go to Jumbi. We can go to Tino. Tino, hey Tino. We can go to Bokor. Yeah, or Mambo. <laughs> Mambo. Mambo. There's also a link to Feeding Them Salt. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's a good, that's a good one. That's a good one. I mean, not, not nonsense words, but, you know. Oh, man, there's actually too many options. Mm. We can always go to Bella Lugosi. We can go to Plan 9 from Outer Space. So we got that one. That was the first one that jumped out at us. I don't know if it's necessarily the best one in here, but, you know. We could go to Zombie Apocalypse, which just takes us down further in the articles. Yep. Okay. Well, we've already gotten there. So, hey, that's that's one way to get one of our options off the table. <laughs> we go to Homeless and Mentally Ill. I feel like we've already done that episode, man. Yeah. Or, I mean, maybe that was just the episode where we just hit all the mental illnesses, like, back to back to back, and it was just really, it was a hard time. Yeah. It was hard to sit through. Ooh, James Bond, we can go there. 
Why is that even in here? <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we do it's, have the option. There's just such a plethora of, like, a variety. Zombies really have reached out to so many things at Dude, this point. Peter Jackson. Yep. Because of, uh, what was it? Brain Dead. Brain, brain Dead, or yeah. Dead Alive. Dead Alive, yeah. Both, both names. That lawnmower scene. <laughs> lovely. Absolutely lovely. <laughs> You could go to slow, lumbering, and intelligent kind. <laughs> we could even go to Shaun of the Dead. Mm. The popular British comedy movie. That was also a very, very valid zombie movie as well. Yeah. Impressively valid. Like, embarrassingly from most <laughs> other zombie movies valid. Yeah, I think one of the things that makes parody good is when it is good in its own right. Yeah, and part of doing that is, of course, making sure that you actually have a good film for your parody yeah. to exist within to begin yeah. with. Like, you can only paradise a film if you, like, make its basis good enough to justify why you're paradising it in yeah. the first place. Like, why would you make a parody of something if it wasn't culturally relevant to the point of it being <laughs> worth paradizing? Yeah. So, to that end, I think Shaun of the Dead was masterful because it did create a very valid, grounded, still terrifying zombie concept, yeah. <laughs> and then just took it in a, to- in a way with a tone mm-hmm. that, you know, made it a parody. Yeah. But, in and of itself, it did the genre justice, mm-hmm. which was its one of its strongest points. Yep. But yeah, uh, we do need to uh, uh, get oh, off this article man. somehow. But I, 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 I the, the links, <laughs> the links. There are a lot of them. Uh, Listener, I, I really wish we could ask you. Yeah. I really wish there was some sort of like live poll. <laughs> I'm sorry about all this, listener. Uh, we're just, I mean... Uh, let's see if there's some kind of dice roll. Anime News Network, we're going. Done. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, listener. You you brought this upon yourself. <laughs> nah, I'm just kidding. Right, you so, probably won't go there. All right, so let, let's let's uh, break it down a little bit here. Okay. Just to make it easier on ourselves. Okay, okay. Um, we can do this. Okay, so... I'm going to roll a virtual die... Is it like 27-sided? So I think it's how many we've <laughs> options we've put out there we for should, ourselves. We should figure out um, exactly. Okay, so we have people. Let's say one. If it's a one, we go to a person. Okay. And... If it's two, we go to a uh, fictional work. Okay. And then if we need to, we can break it down further. Within yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so then uh, three uh, nonsense word. Okay. Uh, four. Let's see. Maybe uh, like a um, organization. Organization. Because they can have those like CDC and that kind of thing. Right. Organization. Um, so what we have so far, we have organization, people, fictional work, nonsense word. Um, 
could we could do we could do uh we could um like a general like thing <laughs> yeah like know. just like because there are some like things that are uh or, like concepts yeah <laughs> or like because they have things like suspended animation or schizophrenia and that kind of thing yeah so, and then there's also things like voodoo uh stealth survival horror like genres yeah. like broader topics so yeah just a thing yeah. as a category like that kind of thing um and I mean you can also go to like places but I don't know I think that's the one thing that this article is a little short on is I mean like if you go to places you're really like upping the odds of us going to Haiti <laughs> or Brazil or Brazil those are the two <laughs> things that we will go to or we could do Genres, I don't know. Nah, actually, come to think of it, it doesn't look like there's quite a few locations here. Um, so we could do we could do places. Oh yeah, I see Maine here too. Yeah, there's a couple of locations in the United States as well as other places. Okay. All right, so let's go with that, and let's roll this die. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm All excited. Right. We are going to a thing. <laughs> Great. The biggest of the categories that we made. Yep. <laughs> but the thing, it, we can't make it a thing that is any of his other things. Yeah. So it can't be a movie. It can't be yeah. a nonsense word. It can't be a place. Yep. It can't be a person. It can't be a fictional work. Yeah. So <laughs> we could go to LSD. <laughs> Isn't that we how we started? Down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I we believe, did this before. I believe that's what started I mean, we could try to fix our mistakes, but I, I don't recall that article having many places yeah, for us to fix yeah, our mistakes was half a problem. Is, yeah. Pretty much any length in that one. Well, there's always pufferfish. Pufferfish is pretty safe, oh, I think. Oh, yeah, there's pufferfish. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I could go with pufferfish. Yeah, that's a thing. Let's go to, go to a thing. Animal wasn't one of the categories, right? We're not like cheating ourselves nope, here. We did okay. not do animal. Right? All right, we're playing it by falls the game. Under thing. <laughs> yes, it does fall under thing. Good, 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 good. Puffer fish. Oh. Here we are. <laughs> tetra aden ad tetra tetraodon today. No. <laughs> tetra adena today on. Um, Tetra Odan today. Tetra, I'm done today. Tetra, I'm done today. <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, it's a family of fish and stuff. You know, you know what they look like. They're big puffy guys. Except for when they're not. <laughs> yeah. Then they're just floating around the normal fish. Yeah, they look like little normal guys. They turn into big puffy guys with spikes. You tap on the glass, you startle them. Poof, they go puffy. Mm -hmm. That's how it works. And then you never touch them until they pop back down. Because they'll kill you. The they'll yeah. kill all of your family and everybody you love. Yep. <laughs> and don't eat the wrong parts of them. Otherwise, you'll get really, really dead. sick and really dead. dead. <laughs> <laughs> now, the family includes many familiar species, which are variously called... Here we go. 
Puffer fish, puffers, balloon fish, blow fish, bubble fish, go fish, slow fish, toad fish, toadies, honey toads, sugar toads, and sea squab. Sea squab. Yeah. They are morphologically similar to the closely related porcupine fish, which have large external spikes, unlike the thinner hidden spikes of tetra, oh, I'm so done today, <laughs> which are only visible when the fish has puffed. The scientific name refers to the four large teeth fused into an upper and lower plate, which are used for crushing the shells of crustaceans and mollusks, which are their natural prey. That's kind of hmm. interesting. Didn't yeah. know that. Didn't even know they had teeth. Kind yeah. of the last <laughs> thing on my mind when I saw pufferfish. Yeah, they kind of have a much more noticeable trait to them. Indeed. Second most poisonous vertebrates in the world, after the golden poison frog. And that one literally has poison in its name. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, pufferfish is, like, cute and unassuming, and yeah. then it's it's just all poison. The mm-hmm. whole thing is poison. <laughs> <laughs> wow, and so certain internal organs, such as liver and sometimes their skin, contain tetrodotoxin and are highly toxic to most animals when eaten. Nevertheless, the meat of some species is considered a delicacy in Japan and China when prepared by specially trained chefs who know which part is safe to eat and in what quantity. Why anybody would even bother, I do not know. I hope it's really good. <laughs> it better <laughs> <Or> be. something. <laughs> it's like, uh, if I saw that thing, I would... My, like literally the last thought in my mind would be I want to eat that thing. <laughs> no. Yeah. I don't that's not <laughs> that's not what I what, when I see these like no. Look at them. I mean they look like they are pure danger. Even when they're not puffed up, they're all black and yellow. Like yeah. you don't eat black and yellow things. It's like bees and construction <laughs> workers. You leave those alone. You don't eat those. Wow, there are a hundred of and twenty species of puffers in 19 different genera. That's impressive. Yeah. Didn't think there would be that many different kinds. It says that most of them are small, but a few species can reach lengths of greater than 39 inches. Wow. That's a three-foot-long pufferfish. Yep, that is a yardstick. Yep. I... Wow. I don't want to meet that pufferfish. Me neither. Some of these are very unusual looking, though. If you scroll down a little bit yeah. here under the ecology and life history, this guy is like the big, <laughs> it's like a sumo wrestler, uh, pufferfish. Yeah, he's oh, kind of got a doofy little face. He has a really doofy, <laughs> doofy indeed. Precisely the word. He looks very pained when he's puffed out. <laughs> it hurts. It looks like his eyes are like sad. And Help me. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, these are usually found in tropical regions of South America, hmm. Central Africa, and Southeast Asia. So, if you want to see them, if you want to see them, you probably have to go to the tropics to do so. And if you want to see the most kinds, the majority live in Southeast Asia. Twenty-five hmm. different species can be found there, as opposed to Central Africa's three species or wow. South America's singular pufferfish hmm. species. I guess it makes sense that 
uh, Japanese are the ones eating them since they contain the most of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they have. I mean, if you have an overabundance of pufferfish, you find a way to eat pufferfish. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it says uh, the unique and distinctive natural defenses help compensate for its slow locomotion. So I guess it's a very slow-moving animal or fish, and uh, it moves with a combination of its fins and it's highly maneuverable but very slow and so it's easy to prey upon hence why it has this other defense mechanism where it just puffs out and yeah so it says its backup defense mechanism is used if successfully pursued is to fill its extremely elastic stomach with water or air when outside the water until it is much larger and almost spherical in shape. And even when, if they are not visible when the puffer is not inflated, all puffers have pointed spines. So a predator may suddenly find itself lacing an unpalatable pointy ball rather than a slow, tasty fish. Yep. Now, while a lot of puffers can uh, kill humans, they don't necessarily kill all predators. They don't really have a lethal effect on predators such as sharks, which seems kind of counterintuitive <laughs> because those seem like some of their probable predators. But yeah. regardless of that, uh, not all puffers are necessarily poisonous to begin with. Hmm. Takafugu oblongus for example, is a fugu puffer, and that's a puffer that's not poisonous. And toxin levels vary wildly even in fish that are supposed to be poisonous. A puffer's neurotoxin is not necessarily as toxic to other animals as it is to humans, i.e. the shark we just mentioned. <laughs> and puffers are routinely eaten by other fish as well, like lizardfish. Hmm. Also, Japanese fish farmers have grown non-poisonous puffers solely by controlling their diets. Hmm. So it can be done. Wow. They can be made edible. Interesting. I wonder if it's as tasty when it's like that. I don't know. Like maybe half the thrill is the drug. That could be the neurotoxin inside like of it. The the rush of like, will I die from eating this fish? Knowing the answer being definitively no, it's just another <laughs> fish, isn't it? Yeah. Now, puffers are also able to move their eyes independently. Many species can change the color or intensity of their patterns. In response to environmental changes, in these respects, they're somewhat similar to the terrestrial chameleon, hmm. which is a very odd thing. Yeah. <laughs> that is not something I expected them to share traits with. Mm -hmm. It's also a little scary thing, right? Yeah. Like, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. The oldest known pufferfish genus is... Aotetraedon from the Lutetian Epoch of Middle Eocene Europe with fossils found in Monte Bolcha and Caucasus Mountains. Mm. So I'm just going to bounce on over and see what this thing looks like. 
Wow, that is the least interesting prehistoric fish that I've seen. <laughs> Very unremarkable. Pretty similar to modern day pufferfish. I was expecting yep. a huge dinosaur. <laughs> yeah, no. Just kind of a slightly finnier pufferfish. Yep. Oh well. <laughs> I wonder if there's any like stats on amount of people who have died from eating pufferfish. Well, it seems like it's a very variable thing. Uh, it says down here under human interaction where the first subheading is poison uh, that pufferfish tetrodotoxin deadens the tongue and lips and induces dizziness and vomiting followed by numbness and prickling all over the body, rapid heart rate, decreased blood pressure, and muscle paralysis. The toxin wow. paralyzes diaphragm muscles and stops the person who has ingested it from breathing, but people who live longer than 24 hours typically survive, although they may possi- although possibly after a coma lasting several days. Wow. Yeah, so... Does that sound fun? No. No, it does not. Uh, yeah. Again, though, this is only supposed to come from fish that are poisonous, and then, even then, soup or food dishes based on yeah. them that has been prepared improperly. Like... Yeah. It's a matter of the impropriety of it that can kill you. But again, there is a way to control it. You control the diet, because the source of tetrodotoxin in puffers is a matter of debate, but it's increasingly accepted that bacteria in the fish's intestinal tract are the things that give them the ability to make the toxin. Mm. Yeah. Organisms working together. <laughs> Symbiotic relationship, man. Yeah. You let me live in your intestine, I'll let you kill off your predators. <laughs> there you go. Done deal. Yep. That is a win-win. So in Thailand, pufferfish are usually consumed by mistake. What? <laughs> <laughs> They're often cheaper than other fish. Oh, no. And because they contain inconsistent levels of toxins between fish and season, there is little awareness or monitoring of the danger. Consumers are regularly hospitalized, and some even die. Hmm. So, that's not cool. Not really. No. In the United States, um, there have been some... Cases of numbness and tingling on the lips and mouth after consumption of puffers caught in the area of Titusville, Florida. And they, the symptoms usually last a couple hours or sometimes days, with one affected individual requiring intubation for 72 hours. And then, as a result of that, uh, Florida banned the harvesting of puffers from certain bodies of water. The Philippines have a slightly different approach. Uh, the Bureau of Fisheries and Aquatic Resources issued a warning not to eat pufferfish, locally known as butet, after local fishermen died consuming pufferfish for dinner. The warning indicates that pufferfish toxin is 100 times more potent than wow. cyanide. <laughs> It's a very different approach. Yeah. Just using cyanide as your baseline for all, like, if you know, do you remember, you remember how poisonous cyanide is? Remember how that kills you? This kills you, like, this many times more or less than that. Yeah. <laughs> That's our metric. 
deal with it. <laughs> if you haven't gotten the cute cyanide poison you're trying to figure out an arcane system, then that's your that's on you. Yep. It's your funeral. <laughs> and the treatment for the poisoning consists of intestinal decontamination with gastric lavage mm. and activated charcoal. Huh. And a case report suggested uh, anticholinesterasis, such as edrophonium, may be effective. Huh. So if you know what either of those words mean, then you know what to do. Go out there and eat yourself some pufferfish. Because <laughs> you'll be able to. Without dying, probably. Yep. All right. So, there you have it. <laughs> Il Dio Serpente Tetra I don't want today <laughs> Yep I just don't today I just don't today <laughs> So if you enjoyed this Please visit facebook.com Slash TWC podcast Give us a like and follow Head over to iTunes Rate and review us And you can always find new episodes On twc.ericteribio.com and I'd like to thank Larry Armstrong for our theme song and Blind Lemon Jefferson for our outro song. Oh, yeah, Blind Lemon. Mm-hmm. So thanks again for joining us. I was Eric. And I was John. And this was the Wikipedia Conference. Oh,